Tati Castellanos comes together with Antonio Carlos. Now Medina has the trail, takes the shot, and scores! Jesus Medina! Now he smells a jury shot. Top of the box, left foot shot. Blasted by Pedro Galesi. It is 2-0. What a goal by Izzy. Slips it ahead. Tucker Castellanos gets there before Galesi. Lays it off, and this should be an easy one, and it's in. Lexi Morales makes it 3-0 New York City. Lexi chips it along. Alex is right there, and Molly Allison has opened up his account in MLS. Pain. That was the feeling coming off Orlando City's most recent game against NYCFC. Welcome in to this edition of the Orlando Soccer Show, where it's 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 back to bad. We haven't had an episode where it's been all bad and this bad in like two years. But here we are, back at it again, where it's it's just a little bit more of the same. And uh, once again, we always remind you that... Oh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters, no. And with that, we welcome in myself, Austin David, and Brad Newton. Ahoy. Here to break down everything that has happened in the past week. We talked about it last week in a special episode that we had to do because there was so much news that was coming out of this Orlando City club that we made a special episode on... Not only the new ownership, but also the departure of Mark Skinner from the Orlando Pride and the potential departure of Chris Mueller. Now, that departure of Chris Mueller has only been exacerbated a little bit more this last couple days because the Scottish Sun has reported that Chris Mueller may be in Scotland by next week. And he wasn't in New York City for the NYCFC game. But so You guys silly? I'm still going to send it. Quite literally, July 22nd may have been the last time that we see Chris Mueller in an Orlando City uniform. Luckily, it was, it was in a 2-1 win against the Philadelphia Union, which, again, we haven't talked about. So we'll start with the good, and then we'll just get into the rest of the bad. So if you want to enjoy the good, stay tuned for the next 15 minutes, and then... Yeah, then it gets bad. Just stop listening after that. <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to hear us just uh, complain and complain and complain some more, then yeah, that that's a good stopping point. Yeah, I'll tell point. you something right now. A man in my position cannot be afford to look ridiculous at any time. When that comes from me, that says something. It does. It really does. We can't look ridiculous at any time. So let's start with the good. Philadelphia Union. This was an ESPN game. This was a fun game because Philly is one of the top teams in the East. And Orlando is also one of the top teams in the East. Still, yeah. even after this past weekend. It really depends on your perspective on things. But yeah, they are. No, no, no. In in the in the records, in the standings, in mm-hmm. the table, they are the top teams in the East right now. There, There is no denying that. Yeah. We'll get into the, the nuance of that talk a little bit later but 
was t- against the, the two top teams who were missing a number of their best players. I mean, Philly was missing all of their Jamaican players because they were with Jamaica playing uh, the other night. And that included Andre Blake, who was not in goal. So they had Matt Freeze, who's not Andre Blake. And he does make quite a bit of a difference, as we saw with Pedro Galese and Brandon Austin. When you lose your star keeper, it does make a bit of a difference. Now, Orlando City, uh, they did well. Um, I won't say that they did amazing, because there were passages of play in the second half where Orlando looked like they were getting completely overwhelmed, but they were able to hold on, play some defense late in the end of the game, and it did like very late in the game because um, multiple players had to take shots to the face, a la Scott Sterling, in order to win the game for Orlando. And that was Robin Janssen, whose nose was broken, like fully on broken, uh, Rodrigo Schlegel and Kyle Smith. All three of them took balls to the face. And you don't want balls to the face. No, that tends to hurt. Yes. So we'll get to the, the later part of the game in a second. Benji Michel scores in the 10th minute. Mauricio Pereira, beautiful ball into Benji. I asked Benji after the game, you know, like walk us through the goal. What happened? He said, oh, well, Nani, I got to give credit to him. He told me to go into the space and Mauricio found me and I was able to do it. And then after he said all of that, he's like, but 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 listen, I knew the space was there. It's just Nani told me to go there. So like he, he kind of backtracked. He's like, I'm, I'm making myself sound stupid that I didn't know the space was there. So he had to like backtrack and say, no, no, I knew the space was there. It's just Nani told me to go there. Classic uh, kind of Benji response there. Anyway, great goal. Gave Orlando some breathing room early on in the game. Uh, first half was a bit more even. Second half. Philly started putting on the pressure. Casper Shabilko scored in the 68th minute, and that was after Andres Perea had put Orlando up 2-0. So Orlando had some breathing room when Philly scored, but as soon as it became 2-1, it became a bit more of a defensive shell for Orlando, and they started throwing defenders into the game. The game really did sort of pivot after Perea's goal, too, um, Mm -hmm. because, I mean, uh, Philly scored less than 10 minutes after Orlando went up 2-0, so... Um, you could say that they were certainly motivated to try to make something happen there in the last 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, you, you started seeing Antonio Carlos come in for Mauricio. You started seeing Joey Desart come in for Uri. You started seeing Tesho come in for Benji. Having a third center back in there, because, I mean, Robin Janssen and uh, Rodrigo Schlegel were in there along with uh, Antonio Carlos. And Antonio Carlos was in for the last 17 minutes of the game. So you, you, that was a very defensive formation, and you could very much tell that it was just bunker and hold on to the 2-1 win. Yeah, and the the substitution of Alexander Alvarado for Nani at the last, like, seven minutes of the match also. Yeah, not, Nani, not, yeah Nani called for a sub. He, yeah. There was a point where in the game where he just kind of stopped and just met, motioned to the bench. He's like, I need to come off. I'm tired. So a- Alex Alvarado is the backup left winger right now. Orlando and he'll probably get more playing time coming up uh we'll we'll, um dear god yeah we'll talk about that either way Orlando holds on by the skin of their teeth and by multiple people's faces to win 2-1 and that was a fun game I got to be on the field for it for ESPN and I got to really experience the whole game 
this was the first time I actually had a, a an Orlando City game that was full of people to to fully experience. So that was a very neat uh, neat thing because the last time Orlando City played when I was doing a game from the field, it was against Toronto and it was you know empty. So that was a pretty cool experience and uh, a very good win for Orlando considering what happened next. Dear God. So much do we blood. have to do we so have much to blood. so much blood um i believe brad you tweeted something from the orlando soccer show account and it may have been you or it may have been gavin but you hinted at what this show could be mm-hmm. uh you said that this week's episode will be presented by a true crime podcast because orlando uh, city was just murdered gavin. cold-blooded yeah. in new york city so uh pops to gavin for for doing that but yes uh, that is very much what we uh, what we are going to be talking about. Here. I tweeted the uh, Guile the, uh, screen of Kyle telling Mark Skinner to go home and be a family man. That's the one uh, I tweeted out. So Gavin was also responsible for the HIPAA violation then? Yep. Uh-huh. Well done to Gavin. Either way, not great. Not great at all. And in fact, so bad that I have yet to go back and watch the full game because I don't want to relive that and I don't think anyone else does yeah the Uh, less said about it really the better right and that's why we're going to kind of we're going to go over it in very light details because when you lose five nothing on the road with a very uh, mismatched lineup yeah. You're you're not really going to talk too much about that. For the first 30 minutes, Orlando City did very well in terms of defending. Uh, granted, they were pinned back in their own defensive third for most of it, but they did well defending. And then Jesus Medina scores in the 40th minute after a bit of a questionable decision. Uh, Valentin Castellanos tries to hold up the ball. Antonio Carlos gets like shoved. Then he kicks Castellanos, gets a yellow card after the fact. And Medina gets around the defense. Scores from a really tight angle. Credit to him. That was a very, very good goal for him. Uh, but that was the opening of the floodgates, uh, albeit that was the only goal in the first half. So it was one nothing at halftime. And you could feel that it was going to get worse. Like there, there was just a, a feeling in the air where it's like, this is not over yet. And before the game, when I saw the lineup, I said, okay, this is a 3-0 loss. Move on. I was close. If they hadn't scored... Past the 65th minute, I would have been right. But, of course, Orlando completely folded and failed and miserably. So, uh, Robin Janssen ended up coming in at halftime for Van der Water, and Juan came in for Kyle Smith. So, yay, Juan being back. Finally gets Kyle Smith a rest. He has now officially not played every single minute of every single game, which is great. Uh, even better, you have depth at the fullback position again. Not only with Mikey Holiday, but now you have Kyle Smith and Juan as backups. And then you have, on the left side, Jamutinho and Moss, as well as Kyle Smith. So, back to depth at fullback. At the very least, depth at fullback. Every other position, well, I, I don't know about that. Emmanuel Moss played 57 minutes for Orlando. He came out in the... Uh, point of the game where they were already down 2 nothing when Israel DeJuri Shradi scored in the 53rd. He came out a few minutes later, and Jamatinho came in. 
Um, there's I, you can't really say too much about Emmanuel Moss in a five nothing loss because after he came out, they scored three more goals, and even when he was in, like he did okay, but you can't get the full experience of a new player in that kind of game. And so I don't want to say too much about what I thought about Emmanuel Moss just because it's in that sphere of a 5 nothing loss that I'm looking at. I'd rather see multiple games from him before I start saying, yeah, you know, he can do this, that, and the other, or he's good or he's bad. So I'll leave my opinions on Emmanuel Moss for a later date. Coward. Listen, feel free if you want to start talking about Emmanuel Moss. The floor is yours. Um, from what I've seen, people who I was I was at the uh, the Everton uh, uh, Millionaros match, so mm. I also have not really had a full chance to watch it. But um, you know, I'll take the word of of people who did cover the game uh, professionally, and and they they seem to think that Moss was, um, you know pretty pretty good i mean you could definitely like you said they scored three more goals once he got subbed out for uh yalmutinho so i you know i don't know maybe that's a difference maker there i mean it's i mean cer- most the, the thing is those goals came from like the complete opposite side like they, they really didn't involve anybody on the left side uh i will say the second goal from dejuri shradi probably could have been a moss issue because he was on the left cut inside from well he was on the right sorry he was on the right hand side but that's where the left back is he cut to his left and scored from outside the box so that could have been a moss thing um and then the medina thing was well center back getting beaten yeah i mean Antonio the moldy Amund, yeah the moldy amundsen goal in the 79th minute was i mean that was just a doorstep goal and the Castellanos goal was deep drive to left tapping field. off a it, uh, not that Castellanos, although in a baseball park, huh? Makes huh. you think. Really makes you think. The Castellanos goal was a, a a deflected, well, not deflected. It was a rebound goal off of a Maxi Morales shot. He he scored in the 65th minute, and well, that was. That was also bad defending. Mikey Holiday came in the 69th minute for Alvarado to nice. put more defenders in. And uh, Uri Rossell came out for David Loera in the 69th minute as well. And nice. Loera, the thing with him is is he hasn't played this season. I think this was his first game of 2021. He only played two games last year, and that was like, I don't know, like 14 minutes in one game against funny enough nycfc and then one minute against the new york red bulls so david loetta has only ever played in mls matches against teams from new york slash new jersey how weird is that oh my god wow (laughs) but yeah he played the most minutes of his career last night or not last night the other night when he actually played against New York, that was Sunday night. But uh, I think he'll probably start seeing a little bit more playing time, potentially. Loetta is one of those young players that is, 
he's got a lot of potential. He is five foot five as a basically number ten is what he would play. He's very how do I describe it? The way he plays with the ball is is much like akin to other short players where they they have very tight dribbling. They're very centered in terms of their um, their balance and are very quick with the ball. So who knows? Maybe this is the start of seeing Davi Loetta in more Orlando City games, especially if Chris Mueller is gone coming up in the future. Now, we talked about Juan coming back. We didn't see Junior Urso which was interesting because he went on Instagram Live and said, I'll be playing in New York. And then he was a liar. (laughs) Wasn't. Nope. Uh, Alexandra Pato, apparently, in another Instagram Live, also said he would be playing in New York and did not. Wasn't. Nope. Well, they didn't say what they would be playing in New York. Maybe they were... Oh. Maybe they were at the hotel getting some uh, FIFA in. Yeah. Or playing drinking games. We don't need another Sean St. Ledger. They're still on the nope. team, so... Yeah, I, I mean, th- that we know of. Yeah. We don't even know if they travel, to be honest. Yeah, they, they were not... <laughs> they weren't even included in the 18, so... Yeah. That doesn't mean they didn't travel, though, because Pato did travel with them to Toronto, but wasn't in the 18. Yeah. So, so I mean... You, you never know. The, yeah, the lineup screamed rest game, so... Yeah, um, it was very much a rest game, and... Yeah, I mean, they literally didn't have another forward on the bench because Tesha was with Canada, Daryl well, DK was with the U.S., and they had Benji up top, and that the, that was it. The he biggest was the only si- forward. The, the biggest sign that it was a rest game was they had they had both keepers listed as subs. Yes, both keepers, no forwards. So, yeah, that's all you really need to know about that game. Yeah. <laughs> uh very quickly though. We, we, we mentioned Moss, we mentioned Juan, we mentioned Alex Alvarado. I want to go in a little bit more with Alex because, again, we haven't seen too much from Alvarado since he joined Orlando City. And we got to see 69 minutes of him, which, yeah, I, that's really the most he's ever played with Orlando City. Because if you go back last year, I think the most he ever played was like 20 minutes. Actually, no, that's not even right. Last year, he only played 14 minutes most. And then this year, he played 20 minutes against San Jose, which was, funny enough, a 5 nothing win for Orlando. And then the most he plays, it's a 5 nothing loss for Orlando. Yeah, not great. No. Thing with, the thing with Alex Alvarado is Oscar has been very patient with him. They haven't really forced him into minutes because they don't feel like he's 100% ready and like we saw with Mateus IS it took him too long to get acclimated and Alvarado is a player who's only 22 years old and hasn't fully acclimated to the league yet but because he is so young they're giving him time they're trying to get him more minutes and um well this wasn't necessarily the game that you could really say he made a difference in because yeah, no. th- there was not much attacking play. Uh, no, no. All right. Well, that's the end of the talk about NYC. Let's look ahead. Cause Orlando's playing Atlanta 
hey, they're also pretty bad. Playing them on Friday. Hey, did you guys see that uh, Kanye was at the game? Did, did anyone miss that? Did anyone at all? Did MLS just kind of throw it out there that he was still there after the Donda listening party? And by all accounts, he's actually still there. Yeah, I mean, he could be sleeping in the locker room. Who knows? Oh, no, he uh, literally is. Uh, let me pull up the tweet here. Did he actually, like, stay in the locker room after the listening party and just, like, come, like, show up, like, four in the afternoon and be like, what the fuck's going on? Is there a game going on? I might as well just stay. Well, he was using the visitor's locker room from what I saw. Yeah, Sam Jones from uh, MLS and Dirty South Soccer tweeted out that he was using the visitor's locker room. Yeah, and uh, Darren Eels uh, said that Kanye has 10 beds in a makeshift recording studio set up in the visitor's locker room. Oh. Oh, so he I actually might be staying yeah. there. Kanye West. Follow me on this here. Inhabiting an indoor performance space while dressed in all red, wearing something to obscure his face. Is uh-huh. he the phantom of Mercedes-Benz Stadium? <laughs> If so, uh, keep him away. I mean, from, listen. Th- I'm just saying their scoreboard is a giant ring, it's a giant <laughs> circular object. What what else is a giant circular object? A chandelier, maybe. And he he did start singing mm-hmm. in the stadium. Oh man, this 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 works too well. Hmm. Well, folks, you heard it here first. Kanye West, the Phantom of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yeah, it's uh, it's like mold. Once you get that Kanye in the walls, it's going to be real hard to get it out. You should just text Ed and be like, is he still there? I mean. <laughs> Anyways, Orlando City is going to be playing Atlanta United on Friday at 8 o'clock at Exploria Stadium. Then they get to turn around in a midweek game on August 4th on Wednesday and play Inter-Miami at Exploria Stadium. Two teams that are not great right now. Miami is the worst team in MLS right now, having just drawn 1-1 with the Philadelphia Union. And that's also following a a multitude of losses. They also lost 5-0 this time to, to New England. Back on Wednesday the 21st, they lost to Montreal. They lost to Orlando. They lost to D.C., and DC again to Chicago, almost lost to Cincinnati, lost to Montreal, tied with Atlanta, tied with Nashville, lost to one against Philly, funny enough. That's just their last, what, 10 games? Austin, when was the last time Atlanta won? Uh, May 15th, 1-0 against Montreal. Hmm. They've had a lot of draws. A lot of draws. Uh, they have a 3-0 loss to Chicago in there. So, hey, welcome, brother. We'll, uh, we'll embrace you real good over here. Um, another uh, 1-0 loss to NYCFC, which, hey, um, you know, could be worse. A couple draws in there. Yep. They have a 1-1 draw to Inter-Miami in there. But that's fun. Yep. And then the 1-1 draw to Atlanta. Or, sorry, to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I said Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta drew with Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and then they just lost to Columbus as well. Yep, just lost to Columbus as well. Uh, so this has like trap game written all over it for Orlando City. 
trap game or trap games plural like could miami be a trap game too no did you did you see gonzalo higuain in that <laughs> he just walked 35th minute in that game and did you oh. see did you see what chris Whittingham tried to justify it with no that he had just chased him down that he had just chased down uh, a player 50 yards to the other end and it's like okay and and yeah uh cool man tough, t- tough. <laughs> this is this is soccer you can run back yeah uh, your team your team is literally into an attack and you're just you know walking. you know what that philly player did on the other end he ran what? 50 yards the other direction <laughs> you didn't, yeah he didn't seem to mind no but also gonzalo Higuain is now 33 years old people are saying oh well he's old and he can't you know he can't keep up as much guess what nani's 34 like come on yeah come on <laughs> and it's it's wild because man Iguain looks so much older than nani does yeah jeez it's it's wild it's also the lack of hair that doesn't help him well i mean there's a there's a few things contributing there but yeah that's certainly one of them being slow as hell definitely uh yeah not... i mean that that doesn't doesn't help we'll, we'll talk about enter miami later but uh, for but, now atlanta united here's the fun storyline of the day their interim coach orlando city legend rob valentino i i've not yet watched uh black widow but i imagine rob valentino is like some kind of sleeper agent not unlike uh some of the spies in that movie hmm like the black widows plural he's one of them Oh. Being controlled by a black and red widow. Ah, hmm, interesting. And Hawkeye wears purple in the comics. In the comics, well, I mean, uh, no, nah, you didn't really have any purple in the MCU. I was just like all black. Yeah. Either way, Rob Valentino. For those who don't know who he is, he was one of the integral players of Orlando City in the USL days from 2011 to 2014. He was the mainstay in the back line arguably one of the best center backs Orlando City has ever had. And again, I can say this because they had horrible center backs up until the last two years. Just just stating facts. Rob Valentino was also at times captain when uh, Miguel Gallardo was not playing. So a lot of 2014 when Carl Wazinski was playing instead of Miguel because he was injured. Rob Valentino donned the captain's armband. He was a fiery, passionate kind of player where he would wear his emotions on his sleeve. You could constantly hear him yelling at players on the field. And it kind of mellowed out when he started coaching to an extent. He's also still the same kind of guy that he was back then. So you'll probably be able to hear him if it's if it's loud enough when he's coaching from the sidelines for Atlanta. But Rob is, is one of those guys that has deserved an opportunity to coach unfortunate timing, unfortunate team that he's with to get it, all things considered. I don't think he cares either way. You know, Orlando kind of turned their back on him when they disbanded OCB and Ant Pulis left to, well, he went to St. Louis, then that team folded, and now he's in Miami as an assistant. So that's a whole other story. Jason Kreiss and Ant Pulis, who used to be first team head coach for Orlando City and first team head coach for OCB now coaching as assistants on Inter Miami staff a lot of things starting to make sense about what's going yeah. on in Miami right yeah now. yeah um 
And then also Rob Valentino, who is widely respected by all the players in Atlanta, uh, currently the interim head coach over there. So he'll be on the sidelines for Atlanta United. Uh, Joseph Martinez, who is very famous for fathering Orlando, he'll be there. He also hasn't scored very much this year. He kind of had an issue with COVID and had like heart palpitations and like, you know, actually very serious issues. And so he's not quite the same player as he was in his prime just two years ago when he was scoring for fun all the time. But he's still a dangerous player, and he is still one to watch for as Atlanta takes on Orlando. Now, also, Atlanta and the United will be missing their starting keeper because Brad Guzan is still with the U.S. Bad. Bad Guzan. Yes. Alec Khan will most likely be the starter in goal. We will see. Outside of that, you have a, a player like Marcelino Moreno, who's one of their newer signings, who's pretty decent. They also have Jake Mulraney, who uh, Irish player who's who's played in high levels of European, well, UK area soccer. A few younger guys as well. They're also missing uh, Robinson, their center back, who's currently with the U.S. He's a huge difference maker. He, I mean, he was he was marking out every forward in the first game of the season. He was marking out Daryl DK when Orlando played Atlanta last year. Despite that, I, I think Orlando, depending on who they trot out for this game, has a very good opportunity of winning. But like you said, it could be a trap game because Atlanta has been so bad, and Orlando has also had not very good form in July. They've never won more than one game in the month of July in a season. They've won four games total in the month of July since 2015. Total. They've had multiple games every year in July where they've lost by two goals or more. I I, I really, like, history is not on their side. Well, they already had the multiple games. I mean, they did have, they've lost two games by multiple goals in the month of July this year. So Yeah, yeah. They've always had at least one where they've lost either like 3-1 or 2-0 or whatever. And then there, I think there was three years, now four, where they've lost games by three goals or more. Yeah, the goal difference this month is not... Um, not great. No, not great. But we're going to look past that. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new game for Orlando. Hopefully they have all their players back. Maybe we'll see... Alexandra Pato back, who hasn't played since the first time Orlando played Atlanta. That was all the way back in March. It was the first game of the season. Actually, no, sorry, that was April. I forget. The season started in April this year. Yeah. Also, it was the first game of the season. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first and last time we've seen Alexandra Pato on the field. It's almost been four months. Uh, funny you can get certified to drive a forklift in that time <laughs> are you saying that that's what alexander pato should have done no i'm just giving you like an idea of like what you could have done with your time waiting for pato to come back yeah i mean you could have you could have potentially gotten a real estate license in that time yeah could have um could have started learning a new language with Duolingo. Yeah. 
I don't know. That's four four <laughs> months is a four months is a third of a year. That's yeah. that's a long time. So maybe we'll see him back. He's he's very, 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 very close. But for some reason is not fully close. But we'll see. Orlando plays Atlanta Friday, July thirtieth, eight o'clock. Then Orlando plays Miami on Wednesday at eight o'clock. Now that Wednesday game in against Miami, that's a new month, by the way. Just just pointing that out. That is August. So hopefully, depending on how this game goes on Friday, you break the July curse and you go into August. Marginally and, and, better August. Yeah. Yes. Marginally better. Now, let's switch gears here. Talked about Orlando City. Talked about how bad they've been. Ah, the Orlando Pride. Ah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, as Bo Burnham famously sung, Art is Dead. Man. What a time. Yeah. The last game coached by, well, it wasn't Mark Skinner. It was Carl Green. Against O.L. Reign, ended in a 2-0 loss. Well, Orlando's finishing was less than stellar. They had ample opportunities. And, well, the, the best chance that I can remember was Courtney Peterson. Had a wide-open chance. Tried the volley, and it missed so badly that it didn't go towards goal. It went away from goal and backwards to the top of the box, which started a counterattack for O.L. Reign. And that, when you saw that, you're like, all right, this is how this game is going to go. You, you just knew. There was no other way it could have gone. And it did. It was 2-0. And Allie Krieger, I, I hate to, to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, she did not have a good game. In fact, she had a bad game, and she'd probably be the first person to say that. She hasn't been the same since that injury where she had to come off at halftime. And it's almost like she's just not 100% healthy, but she's putting herself out there for the team's sake. So uh, we'll we'll have to see how that plays out once Becky Burley comes in. Speaking of Becky Burley, we mentioned her in our kind of mini show the other day where she will be taking over for Mark Skinner and Carl Green. Not only will it be Becky Burley, who, again, 26 years at the helm of the the University of Florida. She will also be bringing her assistant, her associate head coach, Alan Kirkup. He will be the interim assistant for the Pride. He was her associate head coach as well as her assistant coach for, what, like 16 years? He was there in 2005 and, and was there until 2021 when he also retired. So at the very least, Burley is bringing in somebody that she knows pretty well. Uh, Kirkup Played for Manchester United way, way back in the 70s. He's also been the head coach of Eastern Illinois, Southern Methodist, SMU, uh, Maryland, Arkansas, and went back for a spell and was the coach at the Southampton Academy. So he brings a very good resume to the team as well. They will be joining Seb Hines as assistants on the staff, as well as Lloyd Yaxley, who's the goalkeeper coach. And once again, Burley, great coach, first opportunity to coach pro. Wish her the best. There's a lot to do. Yeah. I mean, if if there is a coach who can get the most out of her young players, it's probably Burley. I mean, you can mm-hmm. look you can look at the names that she has developed at UF and 
Yeah. Abby Wambach, Erica Timrak, Mickey Doherty Howard. Heather Mitz. Yeah. There, there are some very, very good names on that list of players that she has developed and that have played at the University of Florida that have been drafted into the NWSL. Again, she hasn't coached in NWSL yet. But she is very familiar not only with NWSL, but also with the Orlando Pride. For those folks who don't remember, back in 2016, she was actually the original color commentator for the Pride when they started airing games on television. So she has seen this team since the very beginning. She has seen Ashton Harris. She has seen Tony Presley. Those are really the only two people that are still left from 2016, to be honest. I mean, to be fair, she's uh, she has seen pretty much everyone on this team in some way or another. I mean, she only retired mm-hmm. last year. so No, she, she retired in, like, February of this year. Actually, yeah. no. At the end Maybe of a little the 2021 later. season. So it's, yeah. she's, she only very recently retired. Yes. I don't remember if, if the Pride have played UF in a friendly in the preseason. I'd be surprised if they hadn't. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. I know they've played Florida State a number of times. But I'm sure she's she has... They, they have played them. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure she has a bit of familiarity with the Pride Yeah, back in, back in 2017, uh, when Tom Sermani was still in charge of the team, they I mean... did play... There's there's been some there's been quite a bit of turnover since 2017 on this team. Though. Yes, so. the three goal scorers that were against UF: Christina Birkenrode, Chioma Ubogagu, and Kristen Edmonds. What are they up to? Uh, Christina Birkenrode is currently playing in Mexico. Uh-huh. Uh, Chioma Ubogagu has just left Real Madrid, and Kristen Edmonds is playing center back for FC Casey. True. Yeah. That's, that's where a, FC that's KC a, is currently. They're, they've got 2016 Golden Boot winner Kristen Edmonds playing center back. That's a rough one. Hmm. It's a, yeah, struggle. Anyways, in 2017, you saw players like Ashton Harris, Ali Krieger, Alana Kennedy, Camila, Danny Weatherholt, Jasmine Spencer, Danica Evans playing. You also saw players like Laura Alloway, Tony Presley, Maddie Evans. Nikki Dries, remember her? Uh, Sarah Hagen. Yeah, all those play- players played against UF. There you go. Any other thoughts on the Orlando Pride? Uh, they play North Carolina on uh, the weekend. And, ah, God, I don't know how that's going to go. Becky Burley has officially taken command of the Pride as of yesterday, I believe, and is going to prepare them for this weekend's game. I am curious to see how things will play out with her having such a short time to be able to prepare. But I'm hopeful. I feel like this game coming up Saturday will not be a good one. But hopefully Sunday, August 8th against the Chicago Red Stars will be much better. It's always tough, you know, going through a a coaching change midway through the season, you know, um, so, and and add to the fact that there are several key players for the Pride that are currently away. On yeah. well, Ali Riley will duties. be coming back. She uh, she in New true. Zealand have officially been eliminated from Olympic contention, so she could be back by August eighth for the Chicago Red Stars game. Yeah, which would be I a mean, big boost for the defense. I don't I don't know if there are any quarantining guidelines or anything that's set 
from returning players. I don't, I don't really know how that works. That's a good question, actually. Um, I don't know if the league has anything in place because I, I know. Florida, I don't think so. I, I, I know Florida doesn't. So yeah, um, Florida definitely doesn't. Nothing. Uh, no, nobody cares about Florida. So that's a that's a good question to have. Um, but yeah, it, it, having some players p- potentially returning sooner than later would definitely help because <laughs> they they need it. They need it right now. Just, just a little bit. Just a, a small, small little bit. Fucking embarrassing! <sighs> All right. Last two things we're going to talk about in this shortened episode of the Orlando Soccer Show, because, again, th- we don't want to focus on too much terrible. Let's talk about the Florida Cup. Um, Everton, Mijonarios, or Mijos for short, played to a 1-1 draw in the championship game of the Florida Cup. Went to penalties, and well, the penalty shootout was just um, that was probably yeah, that was probably the best part of the whole match was the the penalty shootout. Yeah, uh, well, Mijos going up one nothing was probably fun because they scored at their own like supporters yeah. end, so they got to celebrate with all the fans. Yeah, that's that's always that's always fun when you get to do that, especially yeah. like I mean you know you get traveling fans and. You know, it was, it was pretty. Yeah, I mean, there. Listen, there were there were people for the Everton side that like flew all from all over the country to come to this game. Because oh, like, bet. how often do you how get to see do, Everton yeah. play in right. America? Yeah, I, I I don't know what that's like. How often do you get to see your favorite EPL club play in the U.S.? You know, it's, that's fun for them. I'm really glad they got to experience that. Sad. Could have been Arsenal. Well, why don't you cry about it? I'm pissed now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the emotions. Just, and apparently diarrhea. Yeah, that's what it ends in. Uh, no, but uh, I mean... Was the food, it, wait, was the food that bad there? <laughs> no, it was great. Uh, we had Four Rivers. That was the press meal. So, so big I'm, thanks to uh, Flight yeah. Citrus Sports for uh, hooking, hooking it up with some Very good stuff. Very much hoping, hoping that would be the case uh, tonight. Uh, I told them to only give you cold chicken nuggets. So... I mean, as long as I can find a microwave, I'll be okay. Oh, they don't have any. You have to let it sit on the balcony in the press box. I mean, the sun's hot enough. I'm, I'm sure yeah. it'll cook. Um, it certainly uh, looked like an Everton match. Where? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. Mean, I mean, listen, they, they had their reserves out there in the second half, and they played better than their actual starters. Yeah, that was a that was a weird one to go through. To be fair, me like listen, me just just came from playing in a cup match like two weeks ago and Everton haven't played since the end of the season. So I can understand why one team looked better than the other, but it was kind of a blah match. Yeah. It it wasn't great, but listen, there's more opportunity to see Everton play potentially better Uh, tonight. Six o'clock Everton plays Pumas, the Mexican side who they got at the last minute when Arsenal had to pull out. That one will be fun. This is just a friendly game, so no you know, no penalties for this one. Just a 90-minute match, and then that's it. I will say the two best players for Everton in that match were uh, Nathan Broadhead and Damari Gray. Like They looked like they were doing the most out there in the second half when they came on. Yeah, and, and also shout-out to Azmir Begovic, who not oh. only saved... He was, a minute, he was the middle of the match. So. Yeah, for saving a penalty. Yeah. 
and scored. Oh no, sorry, he he he, he scored, scored. He scored a penalty. He didn't and save then a saved. Oh yeah, yeah it was the sa- he saved a penalty. He saved two, if you count the one that he saved earlier in the right. the, the shootout. But yes, he had the the game clinching stop against uh, you know or his character or yeah his his goal the goal yeah their goalkeeper was bad. Well, they switched keepers at half, which was interesting. I thought yeah. Right, but like so, he was just not good at penalties. No. Like, they went to the keeper's left every single time, and the goalkeeper just did not bother adjusting at yeah. all. They all like, knew. Every time. Every time. And the one time he did guess right, he guessed to his left, and the player did a panenka, and he still couldn't get to it. Like It was like right at his fingertip level, and he was just kind of like waving at it. Yeah. Uh, it's not not great. It was a, it was a, it was interesting to say the least. Well, anyways, the second match will be Millonarios against Atlético Nacional, which is the derby in Colombia. Pretty exciting for all the Colombian fans that have stuck around and are in town, because that game will be very entertaining. It'll bring out uh, a lot of fans from both sides, probably more Millonarios fans because they they already knew that this team was going to be here. Uh, Nacional was just added well, last week. Yeah, and it's the second match being played that day as Everton and uh, Pumas from Mexico are right. playing. It'll be interesting. Back-to-back soccer. It was a decent turnout for the first game. A lot of people that ended up turning out for a uh, <laughs> kind of makeshift lineup game, including some Arsenal fans that had already made plans to come over and watch the game. Yep. So. Yep. <laughs> Nothing matters. Nothing has any consequence. <laughs> Arsenal is always going to Arsenal, unfortunately, Brad. I'm sorry to tell you this. This is the way. <laughs> Gold Cup. The U.S. is going to be playing Qatar, or Qatar, depending on how you pronounce it, Cutter. in the Gold Cup semifinals. At f- First off, who thought Qatar or Qatar uh, was going to be in the semifinals of the CONCACAF Gold Cup? Mm, I mean, did you see what group they were in? Yeah, they weren't in a very good group, and they've come out of the group. But they, listen, all they have to do is beat the U.S. and they're in a final. <laughs> That's going to be hilarious when that happens. Oh, man. Oh, my God. How, how, how much of a conspiracy theory will go around saying, oh, all the oil money bought them the win? I mean... Oil money bottom of squad, so I mean, <laughs> uh, well, anyways, the U.S. is going to be playing coming up on Thursday night, seven thirty, in the midst of the NBA draft. Go figure. Is there? There's more soccer going on uh, that night too, I believe. Oh yeah, with the Gold Cup, you mean? Um, not just Gold Cup, but isn't isn't this? Isn't this weekend like a just a absolutely bonkers weekend for soccer? Well, Mexico Canada play Thursday night at ten. The final is Sunday at eight thirty. Yeah, there's seven Gold Cup Thursday, seven a.m. Olympic quarterfinal on Friday. Uh, if That's right, the quarterfinals for the both teams Olympics. win. Uh, you get an eight thirty p.m. Gold Cup final on Sunday and a four a.m. Olympic semifinal on Monday. <laughs> We're not even going to talk about that U.S.-Australia game. That was... I am glad I slept in for that. I did not wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> to watch my, that fa- game. My favorite tweet that I saw from that was... 
make the U.S. Women's National Team wake up at 4 a.m. and watch that match. See how they like it. <laughs> I mean, Alex Morgan didn't like it. There was a gif of her going around just like sitting on the bench, kind of shaking her head and being like, wow, what the fuck is this? That's what you get. I mean, that's what they get. Anywho, I think we'll end the show. What do you say? That's a good call. There's not really much else to to go over that I don't think is abundantly obvious. No. Uh, so with that, I think we will go ahead and end it. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. Uh, we will leave you with two audio clips. Until next time, we'll, we'll see you later. It's okay for macho men to show every emotion available right there, you know, because I've cried a thousand times, I'm going to cry some more. And you're dirty brown water trash, and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash.